This is a Mainstand Musings original podcast. Enjoy! Hello and a big springtime welcome to the third episode of the Fun Dissection podcast. My guest today is Harry Parsons, a long-suffering Luton Town supporter. On this pod we talk about Luton's expedition from condemnation to non-league football all the way to the championship, as well as hooliganism, Kenilworth Road and the heartbreak caused by Nathan Jones. It's also worth mentioning that Luton manager Graham Jones has left the club since the pod was recorded. Enjoy. Harry, welcome to the Fun Dissection podcast. It's great to have you on as a representative of Luton Town. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. It's very kind. Well, let's start with the question we always start with, which is, what does it mean to be a Luton Town fan? It's a good question. Um, Well, so my dad is the first Luton Town fan in the family. It's not any um, more complex than that. So he, he was born in Luton and he's very, very, very proud of where he's from. And he's got a, um, a huge amount of pride in Luton. So, yeah, I was never really much a football fan when I was younger. I've got two older sisters, so therefore, I think much to my dad's disappointment. But we would always go. But I suppose for me, I kind of associate my Luton Town journey with when, of course, in 2009 and the minus 30 points. And I think from there on out, maybe because I quite like an underdog. <laughs> Boy, golly, have we tried. Maybe that's why. I think it is, it is, it's trials and tribulations, it's constant disappointment and then occasionally moments of absolute euphoria. Um, I think that is what it probably means to be a Luton Town fan. And it is, it is lovely to see a man like my dad genuinely be as passionate about one thing as he is about Luton Town. So I think that's probably what it is for me. Let's talk a little bit about your dad then. You say he's a first generation Luton Town fan. How did, how did he pick up the bat on that? Well, I suppose uh, he was, I mean, born and, born and raised in Luton. I think he was sort of a mid-teenager when they, when they moved. So his dad was, by default, a Fulham fan. But I suppose they didn't live anywhere near Fulham. And he's got a, a, an older sister who had a partner, my uncle, my uncle Terry. And therefore, the two of them were then, um, I think he was then taken to Luton Games, taken to Arsenal Games as well, but taken to Luton Games because it was the nearest local team. And I suppose from that, it is just a case of finding that, finding that team and... Yeah, I think it is genuinely just sort of a, a convenient geography thing. And normally some people, as time would go on, and there were other better teams that you could have a connection to. He's got family connections to Arsenal, he's got family connections to Fulham. Um, but instead he was loyal and he stayed, he stayed loyal to his local team. And I think it was just like that. And I, I don't know, there's something quite nice about that because normally it's people's grandparents and great-grandparents and it goes on and on. And I think it is actually, on the day this is recorded, James, 135 years since Luton Town was founded. Do you know why? Because he told me that this morning when I got up. How is it? But Luton didn't rub off for a good 10 years on you. So let's think about that period from 2009 to, to the present day. How much of a Luton Town fan are you now and how much has that fluctuated throughout the years? It's always got more and more. I've always been more and more interested. And that's a mixture of me being more and more interested in football to the point where I'm now a, a bog standard football fan. Also, I mean, it's tough to watch your team slowly get relegated down the league. And then, of course, 2009, minus 30 points in League Two for right or wrong for financial irregularities. Punishment was needed and that happened. But then we also won what was then known as the Johnson Paint Trophy. So we were established to be 
in terms of a cup competition, the best team in League One and Two, but we also got relegated to the conference. And then, I mean, for any person that has observed a team they either support or a team they might be vaguely aware of, the minute you're in the conference, it is cursed because two teams go up and that is not enough for a league of that size. So five seasons in the conference every year. I mean, I've been, I've been to the Etihad to watch a playoff final against AFC Wimbledon, two essentially London teams playing a, a playoff final in Manchester. And I can't remember which year it was. And it's, it's just things, it's just things like that. And I think that's the, that's what I associated those years. And it's really, really tough as well to watch that dire level of football when you're starting to become a football fan and think, is this as good as it gets? Because it isn't as good as it gets. So, yeah. And also, you know, we're selling out a 10,000 seat stadium, playing teams that have existed for five years at times and, and things like that. And that's really, really weird. I don't think at the time I realised how weird that was, being relatively unaware of sort of the, the football world. And then, of course, in the last three years, promoted from League Two, promoted straight away from League One, you kind of realise, oh my God, isn't football just incredible? And I know that's awful because we shouldn't only celebrate success. However, I feel like I've paid my dues and my rent to celebrate success. And it's a, a time of recording. It's a gutting shame we won't be able to finish the season, but I'm over it. And, and But I think that's what it is, isn't it? It's just football is brutal and it's unfair. But I don't know. I think it is. If you ever, if I felt like for a team to fall in love with football, Actually, it's quite nice to see one that has had success, failures and literally everything in between. I know you're quite a regular visitor now. In terms of you being able to go to games and follow the team in that way, is that something more of a new phenomenon, you being a game attending Luton fan? Yeah, I mean, I've never been to as many games as I had been um, this season. But this was first season. My dad has been a season ticket holder because, I mean, just never really been able to justify the time of doing that we live 45 minutes away but it is it is a, an hour in an hour out on a Saturday afternoon and while well, my mum is a very very long-suffering person you know I understand the fact she doesn't want to spend her spend her afternoon um, going to Kenilworth Road um, and that, that is completely understandable especially some of the football she will have seen there over the years but she's done she's paid her due she's, she's been enough time so yeah this is the first season I've been regularly normally would go to the odd game here and there um, and always, you know, whenever you could find the rare game that would be on the telly and, and listen to all of that. But yeah, so this is the first proper season I've been to every game. But it's the first season. I mean, Dad would have, Dad would have been a season to get hold of for the last 20 years had it been convenient and, you know, financially sensible and everything like that. Um, being a, a Luton Town fan in Newcastle isn't really when I've, where I lived before. It's not really worth the commute sometimes. Luton Town have a certain reputation for the fans being perhaps rougher, definitely engaging in hooliganism. Growing up, was that a worry taking you to games for your parents? Oh God, I don't think so. I don't think so. Oh no, no, not at all. Not at all. I've never felt scared or in danger going to Luton, like not even close. Like I don't, that's never been a thing. I don't think I've ever really truly been irritated by our fans. I'm trying to think. I mean, there was... the. I mean, there's bad instances and they're, and they're not great. And I went to Luton Millwall earlier this season. And I mean, it was the, the number of police was hysterical because I think you've got two clubs that do have an association with it. But I don't necessarily think we deserve the association now, especially. I mean, you go to Kenilworth Road on a weekend and it's a family stadium and it is, and it's no different from any other club 
you know any other home game I've been to with any other team. But I don't think no, I don't think there was ever any danger. I didn't ever felt like that. I've never pitch invaded, although I did pitch invade once because the way that Kenilworth Road is set out is there was a pitch invasion and it basically you had to leave out of your stand and then it's a really, really long walk back to where we used to park. So it's right in the middle of just terraced housing. So parking is a complete nightmare. And you would they would shut certain alleyways off. So the only time I pitch invaded was when Dan and I walked across the pitch to walk to a different stand because it was quicker to leave. Um, so you know that's the only time I've been a um, a football hooligan in that in that sense. Do you think it's a myth you'd like to dispel about Luton, or do you think there yes. is something in it? I don't think anymore. No, I don't. I don't think there is anymore. I've been to I've been to more away games in the past two years than than I had been in my entire life. Just helpful because lots of them were in between Newcastle and, and home. So no, I, I, I yeah I do. I think that's I think that's I think that's exactly how it. It's a myth I'd like to dispel because I don't think there's any truth in it. I have never ever felt. I mean, not even close. Any kind of away fans are always more diehard fans and anybody that's been to an away game with any team ever is going to be completely aware of that i've been to numerous newcastle united games the other week i went to newcastle uh, oxford and yeah the fans are just totally different aren't they because they they've got more to give they've come a further away so i think but we're no different from that we're just a, i just think it's a bunch of you know there's a huge number of season tickets so therefore when you're in the stand everybody seems to vaguely know each other and that's lovely because it's quite community based and that's quite nice i think it probably is a bit unfair i mean it had its truth in the past let's think about those days then and shuffle on to the rivalries of luton the big one is what manish would probably call the m1 derby or, or colin murray these days would probably call the m1 derby it's, it's, it's Luton and Watford. For a Luton fan, how significant is that? It depends whether you're asking this generation of Luton fan or my dad's generation of Luton fan. I don't even know. I think the last time we played Watford was 2006. I might be wrong. It is a derby that has never needed to be a problem in my life because um, Watford has had a very, very good decade in comparison to our very, very poor decade between, well, uh, between 2009 and what, 2015. There are Premier League sides, you know, and, and you know, if we came across a cup game, oh my God, how wonderful would that be? And that'd be amazing. It'd be so exciting. And, you know, it'd be really, really good. But I don't, I don't feel any venom. Oh my goodness me, to Luton Town fans feel venom against Watford. I don't know many Watford fans. I don't actually know a huge amount about what Watford fans are like. But I don't know if we live rent-free in their heads as much as they live rent-free in ours. It is mad. It is so mad. And I understand because there's a huge history with it. And therefore, if you grew up with that being this intense, horrific derby, that never goes away. I completely understand it. But I think it hasn't had any life in it for many, many years. And there was a point at the beginning of this season that I thought, actually, maybe we'll get to play each other next year in the Championship. But that looks unlikely for lots of reasons. Um, so I've never felt that. I've never felt like that. Because I've never got to see a game, really. You know, people have the shirts that, you know, on the back of their shirt, I ate Watford. You know, they have those. That is still a thing that people are getting printed. And, you know, it is a thing. And, you know, we have chance and things, but... You know, when the scores are read out half-time and Watford are losing, people's cheer. But I, I don't necessarily know what, what a derby would be like. I don't know how aggressive it would be. As you say, it's quite interesting that you mentioned it's generational. A Luton fan that's older would, would dislike Watford more, and that's understandable, having probably seen more games. I want to know, for you, does it extend as far as do you dislike Elton John because of it? And more importantly, <laughs> does your dad dislike Elton John? Right. So, yes, my dad does dislike Elton John because of it. Yes, that's, yes. So, yes, my dad does dislike Elton John because of it. I always thought I didn't like Elton John. 
I suppose that was because it wasn't really a thing in the house. But I, oh my God, I adore Elton John. But I mean, that's the mixture of, of, of being his gay son, I suppose. Sort of, with my dad, you know, it's sort of like, um, I don't know. But yeah, no, I, yeah, I absolutely, yeah, I do. Um, but yeah, no, that's the thing as well. Yeah, you'll never hear an Elton John song played at, at halftime, I don't think. Um, yeah, no, he does. That's such a good point. Yeah. Especially now, do you think it bothers Luton fans that you've underachieved compared to Watford? Or do you, do you just think it's, you know, you boo and they lose and that's pretty much it? I think it bothers them more than five years in, in non-league football. I think it bothers them more that actually we constantly felt like we were bullies out of football. Every football fan has discussed the correct versions of punishing teams. But you can kind of understand that complete feeling like just minus 30 points in League Two is basically the worst punishment you can get in English football. I suppose it was constantly feeling robbed. So, yeah, I suppose it's probably quite irritating, but we've had bigger things to be annoyed about. Well, let's move on to a couple of other vague links that Luton have to other teams. You've already mentioned MK Dons, and the other one is Stevenage. But what's, what's your experience of those two rivalries then? I won't even pretend I know anything about the rivalry between Luton and Stevenage. You mentioned it briefly before we recorded, and I googled it. And the only thing that comes up are, um, are the 100 and the 101 Stevenage to Luton bus service. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I literally have no idea. So, the fact that that's a thing is hilarious. I've literally never encountered that. I've never encountered a fan talking about that. And like I say, actually, we've had bigger things to worry about than, than rivalries. The MK Don thing is weird because everybody has an opinion on that because it's the franchisation of English football, which is something that we just never had before. So everyone has an opinion on that. And obviously, Wimbledon fans are the ones that are allowed to be the most upset about it. And I live near Milton Keynes. I like Milton Keynes. I go to the IKEA right next to Stadium MK, which is a fantastic stadium. Although the only time I've ever been is to see a JLS concert to Stadium MK. So... Obviously, the history of it is when they were deciding to relocate, Luton was heavily considered as a place. I think there was a big movement against it as a relocation place. And then, you know, looking at merging the teams, looking at moving the Luton team to Milton Keynes, things like that. And so therefore, the whole idea of it has always been toxic. And they are literally 20 minutes down the road from each other. Geographically, it would have made more sense to move Luton than it would have made to move Wimbledon. But anyway, thank goodness it didn't happen because I do think it's a soulless club. I think actually, because it's so close, I think there is genuinely just a total hatred of it. I don't know. I think my dad passionately hates Watford, but he passionately, passionately despises MK Dons, which is interesting because we've had to play AFC Wimbledon so many times in the past decade. In, in, in League One, in League Two, in the conference. But like I said, that play, we, we've had playoff finals against them. So we really should hate them a lot more because I don't ever remember having any particularly important games against MK Dons. They tried to take Luton and they didn't. They took Wimbledon and therefore a bit of solidarity, I suppose. Speaking then of Luton potentially leaving Kenilworth Road, the idea eventually is that you'll move to the new site at Power Court. We'll stick on Kenilworth Road for the time being. Luton have been there since, I think, 1905. How much does that ground mean to you as a Luton fan? I love it so much. I love it so, so much. It is a ridiculous stadium, but it is just, it is so, so wonderful. It's got, of course, you've got the famous away end that away fans love coming in. And it's happened even more so in the last year while we've been in the championship because of bigger clubs coming in. You walk literally through people's houses. It's very, at different times it hasn't been the away end. And you go through houses, you literally walk over somebody's terrace garden on a very sort of standard terrace two up two down streets and streets that line across it 
you can see the rooftops behind the boxes. And I say that with inverted commas, which line where it used to be a stand along there, but it's just boxes now, hospitality boxes. It is just such a wonderful ground. The atmosphere is incredible. And actually that's something that you seem to get players saying as well for, what is it, 10,500, I think. I mean, it's, it's, it's held together with masking tape almost. And yeah, there's just something about it which is just amazing. We used to sit in the, the family stand and then when you sit in the main stand, there's genuinely more pillars than can be structurally necessary. And yeah, it, it's just magnificent. And where my dad and I sit very, very low on the ground and you can just behind one of the goals. And it's, I don't know, there's, I don't know, there's just something, there's just something about it which is spectacular. And this season, the first year, we've got the electronic boards because it's a championship regulation. For the first week, there were people on the front row where these boards were blocking their view. And I don't know, there's just something so wonderful about it. That huge amounts of the main stand don't have backs to their seat. It is genuinely just wonderful. I mean, we went to see Swansea before Christmas, James. And our view, we, we knew we got it, was going to be restricted view. But I mean, it was taking the piss. And yeah, it is magnificent because it is so, such a proper football ground. And, you know, we've been to these big stadiums, everyone has now where there's no pillars and all of that. But this was, it is, I don't know, there's just something about it that is just so, so wholesome. And I, I was saying earlier, the whole fact that the games feel like a family thing and everyone knows everyone, that helps. That helps being in a stadium that kind of feels like it might have been built by your granddad. You know, <laughs> so yeah. Kenilworth Road is amongst the houses the oak road end is almost famous for the entry to the ground on that side the new stadium power court will be in the center of luton taking the the romanticism out of it would you rather it be in the center of luton or would you rather it be in effectively a housing estate i would of course i'd rather it be in the middle of a housing estate because it's stupid it's logistically stupid we can't park for miles in fact our current parking site is on the site of our new stadium that's where we park which is just hilarious and of course I'd rather it be there however if you go on Google Maps right now and you look at it this stadium shouldn't be there it is stuck between an old railway track which is now a bus lane and houses and it is just squeezed in there no it's going to be amazing to have a stadium in the centre of town you know always when stadiums are built they're built on the outskirts of towns and there's nothing wrong with that but you often think oh it's a bit it can feel a bit soulless you know so it's so so good that we're going into the centre of town literally next to the station so like that's fantastic for links. That is so much more encouraging to get people in. I mean, we never have a problem selling out, but, you know, we're going to double the size of the stadium. We might. It is so, so good that it's going to be bigger. It's going to be a proper, genuinely, as in, in terms of the budget we've got, pretty state-of-the-art stadium. And more importantly than anything else, it is still in the centre of Luton. And I think there's something, there's something very good about that. And I think the town centre needs it as well. Of course, I'd like it to be in the middle of houses. However... I've got to take the romanticism away from it. And actually, it's really, really good. This is really, really good. And they've been trying to get out of Kenilworth Road for 40 years, despite loving it. So it's not a bad thing. So leaving Kenilworth Road over 100 years of history behind is, for you, undoubtedly the right choice. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a necessary evil almost. That Yeah, it'll be sad. Of course it'll be sad. And I think lots of fans all think it's sad. I don't know. It'd be interesting to talk to other clubs that have done the same sort of thing. Normally, you know, now we see and built on basically the exact same patch of land but you know that was just not possible and also as much as we love it we do have a 10,000 seat stadium you know when we play Chef Wednesday I mean they never sell out their stadium we played them I think four times in the last two years in cup games and things they never sell out Hillsborough but what is it 40,000 seat stadium and, you, and you're comparing it to the smallest stadium in the championship this year 
it, yeah, we need we need a twenty thousand seat stadium. <laughs> yeah, it's it's important that that happens. How many fans do you think would agree with you? Oh, 90 percent. I think it is a, a case of it. Yeah, it's so so important. This whole movement has been pushed. We are a very poor club. Has been pushed by fans. You know, they are the ones that help draw up the plans. They're the ones that help convince the council. They're the ones that did all of that. Yeah, I mean, there'll be a small chunk of fans that might think it's a bad idea, but. I mean, even they probably know in the heart of hearts it's time to it's time to go to a bigger stadium. Also, the earning potential as well. A poor club needs a big stadium because you need to be able to sell tickets, and that's really important. And you know, you can barely get a season ticket now, so that's really good that we're going to be able to get more to that and that sort of thing. It is an exciting time to be a Luton fan. Moving to Palcourt, centre of Luton. The last five years, you've gone from the Conference to the Championship. To what or to who do you owe that success? It's a good question. So, so we're so we're owned by a kind of a group of local businesses called Twenty Twenty, cursed. And the whole plan was building towards the stadium, and our stadium plan was called the Twenty Twenty Vision, and all of that. I think it's probably largely down to the idea that we'd had bad owners, and actually they've come in, and I think steady and ready the ship. I don't know. I don't think there's ever been a manager in any position that I've thought, oh, well, you're amazing. You are the manager. There was a point where last year I was certain that that was Nathan Jones, who then left to go to Stoke mid-season, mid-promotion run. I thought that was it. I thought maybe he might be one of these managers. And we owe a huge amount of success from being promoted from League Two to him. And actually probably a huge amount of success in going from League One. But then really, because he left mid-promotion run, which whatever you think is a controversial at best thing to do I probably feel more dislike towards him than I do liking him and then Mick Hartford came in who is of course a, a Luton Town great and no point wants to be a manager essentially is in charge of scouting at the club so I don't know I think maybe that's just my recent memory sort of trumping the past decade but that was pretty magnificent how he came in and did that and very much didn't want to be. And then we got Graham Jones in, who I think is an all right manager. And, you know, that would, would have been done to McCarthy. But McCarthy basically can do no wrong in Luton's eyes because he never does do any wrong. And I think maybe, maybe actually you've got to look at actually the backroom staff sometimes as well when you haven't had this pinnacle of a manager. And actually McCarthy is probably the most prominent of those of really any club. You've summarised those five years pretty brilliantly there. We'll go into a few of those different touch points in a bit more detail, but just looking from a broader perspective for the time being, when you were in your fifth year in the top tier in non-league football, did you think that such a run of success would be possible to get to where you are now? No, no, no. Just, just mathematically, it wasn't really very likely. Because actually, it's back to proper football. It's back to much more normal football. Back to much more money. How do you how do you change into that? No, definitely not. And then going into League One, I remember just thinking top half. Top half is all that matters. Just finish top half, and that's genuinely would be incredible. Just mid table, essentially, just not get relegated, and then to only spend a season in League One, which I think actually can for lots of teams, you end up flittering around, don't you? League One and two. And then to be in the championship where you are playing teams that are next year going to be Premier League teams and teams that last year were Premier League teams. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool when you think, you know, at the beginning of the decade, we had a long, long, long time of conference football to go in. It's important. So you got taken out of the National League by John Still, 2014. Then you were languishing towards the bottom of the League Two table. And then John Still was sat in 2015. Obviously, in hindsight, 
the right decision because of what's happened. But perhaps a harsh decision, having taken you back into league football and still not in a relegation place? Yeah, brutal. The fans are completely brutal. There's always, isn't there, with managers, especially at smaller clubs, I think there's always a case of there's stuff going on. They're just not compatible with the club. And I think as well, <laughs> there are some fans that remember being Division One, and they forgive absolutely nobody at any point ever. I don't think I've, I've ever had a problem with having lots of different random managers when you've got to try different things. I think there's probably this mentality of we don't have enough time to have five seasons in League Two. I think especially back then, there was probably that mentality of we need to react quickly because clearly otherwise we're just going to get stuck in a rut here. And also that constant fear of going back. Yeah, I don't, I don't identify with the whole, I don't know, if people don't get you promoted, that is the aim at the end of the day. And I think actually we had quite a good squad back then, you know, why not? And then it's interesting you specifically pick out there that the Luton fans are quite brutal. I mean, Nathan Jones takes out a League Two, leads you into a very good position in League One. Yes, abandons Luton before the end of the season. You don't look on him in a particularly positive light. Do you think that's particularly rational? Do you think other clubs would have that same amount of ill towards a man who led him out of League One and almost into the Championship? I think the problem I had with him doing that was he had marketed himself as Mr Luton. He was fan, die hard, this place till I die. And there is nothing wrong with not doing that. If you don't do that, nobody is pretending that a man who had a professional playing career and played not a single... I don't think he got a single cap. He was on the losing books at one point. There is, there is no hard feelings towards people that don't do that. But he did market himself as that, and that's fine. And that's really, really lovely. But then what happens is you get a team promoted. I completely understand, and I think he is an incredibly talented manager. Your mid-promotion run... We shouldn't have been in a promotion run, really. That's incredible. Mid-promotion run, and you go to Stoke. And obviously, that means that he's gone for the money, and that's completely understandable. We could not even come close to competing with the budget that he'd have to spend. But the whole thing that he'd done at Luton was the fact that he'd done it with no money. That was his specialist skill. He'd turned a team with no money into a team that looked like it had some. And I think that's quite impressive. And he goes to Stoke mid-season. And I, I don't know, I went to the first game after he left. And that was an away game at Sunderland. And you don't get more different stadiums than home and away. So we were, we were in Sunderland. And I was gutted. I was heartbroken because I just thought he was this amazing person. And I did feel totally heartbroken. I think it was still the wrong decision because I, I think just from his career point of view, you should have seen out that promotion. We would have let him go. No questions. Round of applause. Name a stand after him. Who gives a damn? He would have been amazing and we would have accepted him. And he could have gone to a bigger, better club than Stoke and he wouldn't have had the problems that Stoke clearly had. Secondly, I just think it's wrong to leave a club mid-promotion run when you have marketed yourself as a man for people. I, there's just something that isn't right about it. I completely understand why he went. I get why he had a big offer in front of him. Take it, why not? But at the same time, I'm a bit... I don't know, it just feels wrong. Something about it just feels wrong. So, you look in post-Nathan Jones, in League One, on the promotion run-in. Mick Hartford steps up to the helm. Do you back him to finish the job? No, but that's nothing personal against him. To be honest, even at that point, while we were flirting quite heavily with being able to finish top two, no, I think I might have said that out loud that I thought, yeah, yeah, we'll be fine. But I definitely didn't think so. The squad wasn't and isn't strong enough to have won League One last season. It's just not. 
And then secondly, I don't think that you can expect any caretaker manager to come in, no matter what kind of legendary status they are within a club, come in and then win a league that you've just been promoted to, having lost a man who basically you've begun to build an ideology around. No, God, no. We simply we weren't good enough to, I didn't think. But head down, actually kept most things the same, but was willing to try out the odd bit of, I don't know, creativity. We had a really, really good team in terms of people that were willing to like give their all to the club. You know, a lot of long-standing players now. So I think they were probably on board with him and knew him very well, which is much different from getting a new manager in, which we, let's be honest, couldn't afford to do. Bless him. How many football managers get their team promoted and hate managing football teams? Not many. Firstly, did you know at the time that he hated it so much? And secondly, were you begging, I presume you were begging for him to stay? I think obviously people would have been begging for him to stay at the end of the year. So he saw us through to the end of the season, the games in May, and they appointed Graham Jones immediately afterwards. I think it's so widely accepted and so widely known that he has absolutely no interest in doing it you know like so when you get managers that come in and take the helm of big clubs and it's their first big job and they're like oh no I'm just trying it out and after a couple of months I'm off anyway and then they end up staying and that's it it it, it wasn't like that (laughs) he had literally no interest in doing it and I mean he loves his job he scouts for a relatively small team it's so weird, isn't it? Because we, we spend a whole time analysing football and everybody in football wants to be in football. I think he hated doing the press interviews, let alone actually managing the club. You know, I think he just hated the whole thing. So, yeah, obviously desperate to keep him, but it was never even a thought in my mind that he'd want to stay. As you say, Graham Jones was very quickly appointed. You've seen the majority of the season with him at the helm, obviously struggling the championship, but as expected. Is he a long-term answer? Do you know what? I needed the rest of the season to answer that. And so obviously it's a bit tough at the minute. I'm happy with him to hang about. And let's say we finish this season as normal. I wouldn't have wanted him to go. There was, there was a mood at one point where actually he should go because he was making some very weird decisions. I don't think we ever played the same team twice, which I understand. You want to try different things. But, you know, it's not like we weren't winning games. We were winning games. We were winning weird games. We needed a good transfer window. We didn't really have uh, much. We got a couple of players in on load, you know, which is how we got to do it. But I'm not wowed by him. I don't think he's anything truly remarkable. I don't think he's a championship manager at the minute. I think he will be one day. But he's not working with a championship squad. So at least they're both in it together. And they both know we don't really belong here. So we've got to try really, really hard. I think if he was able to keep us up, which may or may not be highly unlikely then he deserves to stay. I think genuinely that was probably our opinion at the beginning of the season, though. If we remained up, then something was going well. And so, I mean, he hasn't done awfully. You know, we had only lost one of the last five games. So he turned it around. There was a point I remember going home and thinking, yeah, maybe he is the problem. But then this was sort of January, February time. We can't every season just start with a new manager and then just put Mick Hartford in charge and then have a new one. You can't do that. That's not because then there's a point where it's unfair on Mick. You said you questioned some of the tactical decisions. Do you also question some of the recruitment decisions? Because I might be mistaken, but isn't your record signing your third choice keeper? No. Oh, we, oh you know, you're right. No, you are right, Stetch. Yeah, no, you're right. He is our record signing. Oh, yeah. No, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Although that was that was a couple of years. So, yeah, that was a couple of years ago. Yeah, we've, we've spent a lot on keepers. And, I mean, Sluger is our number one keeper at the minute. And he's good enough. He had three good games before the season was halted. I despise him. I absolutely loathe him. He can't distribute. And actually, as I mentioned earlier, I went to go and see Oxford versus Newcastle. And just watching Oxford play, 
and you just thought they are so much better because their keeper can distribute a ball. If you were going to try and remedy the club with just a few steps, recruitment or otherwise, how would you do that? Or what would you suggest? It's tough. I'm not anti the idea of just getting in good sort of players from the B or C team of big clubs. So we've done a bit of that. I understand that while that's the case, and actually before we're in the new stadium, we're not financially very attractive. So I think the thing at the minute is actually trying to incentivize any player that is there to keep people. But I firmly believe in just scouting young players and just that's a two or three year thing. But that is just making sure that you're constantly taking a chance on 17 and 18 year olds that are just new and have nothing to lose. And we kind of need to be a bit more, I think, just be a bit more ruthless in the way that it is. The whole mantra of the club at the minute is, yeah, it doesn't matter if you can see loads of goals as long as you score one more. And, and, and that's OK. I'm, I'm quite content with that. There's a point in me that sometimes thinks maybe we should just be playing seven at the back and put three lunatics at the front to just try and score. But I, I don't actually know what the mantra should be at the minute because it's so difficult because we've got a good team, but not a great team. But I don't necessarily know what the exact right mix to fix it is because I think the problem at times is they do feel like a lot of individuals in this championship year. It's been, you know, 11 individuals on the field, not always as a team. And I really, really like some of the star players that they have at the minute. But I'm not convinced they work well as a team. And I, I would be fascinated to see what it's like in the dressing room almost, you know, how much, how much they actually get on because it's quite obvious that, yeah, they're not all on the same page. I don't really know what it is. I don't know what it is. But um, that that's comes in a good manager. And maybe actually if Graham Jones isn't able to change that, then he isn't the right manager. As an extension of that then, do you have any specific qualms of the club, both on or off the field? Nothing massive. I don't at all, actually. I would like to have a billionaire owner. That's what I'd like, obviously, because I genuinely think that's the way out of it. I think my qualm is, I think the mentality, the stadium thing's been hanging over people's heads for so long. That'll give kind of a new lease of life potentially to the club, even if we're in League One or League Two, well, at least, yeah, let's say League One when it opens. That's okay. I was saying earlier, we don't have a manager in the last 10 years that I felt like you are the one. It is about finding somebody that's willing to stay around for five years and put them in for five years. And maybe Graham Jones is that person, I don't know. But putting them in for five years and actually letting them sort of create the club they want. It's so difficult because everything has a caveat of not having any money. However, the owners are keeping the club financially stable. And you look at clubs like Bolton and Berry, and you think there's a parallel universe where that was us. I think Bolton were able to stay afloat because they've got the right connections in the right places. I think we would have been more like Berry, if I'm honest. With that being the case then, and being a little bit more positive about the situation, as a Luton fan, what ambitions do you think you have for the club? Three or four years in the championship, getting better each year, establishing itself as a championship side. Hopefully, then being an attractive team for somebody that wants to put some money in. Genuinely, it sounds ridiculous. I wouldn't think in a decade's time that, yeah, a promotion from the championship is possible. Of course, I think that. I do. I think the club is a proper club. Of course, I do. And if I didn't think that, then there'd be no point in me fancying it, would there? No, of course, I do. I do. I think we've got a new stadium. We've got a pretty good mentality, and I hate people to say that, but genuinely, I would like in the next 10 years for us to be an established championship side that at least is able to flirt one season with promotion. Just once. That's it. And yeah, it will go up. I think Derby County one year got nine points in the Premier League, and we'll get less than that. (laughs) But I just think you've got to think about it. It's just got to be on your mind. Otherwise, there's no point in it. No, realistically, I'd like to be an established championship side, and that does involve staying up. And I think that's really important. 
or maybe just have a really good cup run and get to the FA Cup final because teams seem to stop caring about the FA Cup at the minute. So maybe this is our chance. But no, for now, let's focus on. Yeah, I'd like to be an established championship side in the next ten years. As every fan has the right to, as the right to hope. <laughs> yeah, well, I hope, I hope, I hope fans of you know Liverpool, and Man City don't think I'd like to be an established championship side in ten years. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to be firmly placed. Yeah, I think I think it's all it's all subjective. God, I've got big hopes for this, haven't I? Let's move on to our closing remarks then. And we may as well just wrap it up with the question that we started with, which is, what does it mean to be a Luton Town fan? I I just think it is sheer passion and occasional euphoria scattered in between huge amounts of disappointment. And it is so frustrating to watch them play at times. It is genuinely so frustrating. But I don't know, it's magnificent. And and I don't know, I think maybe, although we've established the fact it is time to leave Kenilworth Road, I think Kenilworth Road is pretty much the embodiment of the club. It is just about held together. It is completely, ridiculously tin pot. But it's kind of exactly what it, I don't know what like football should be, isn't it? It's kind of exactly how it should be. It's a bit like that. Harry Parsons, thank you. Thank you. Well, that whirlwind was Harry Parsons and his incredible journey with Luton Town. An enormous thank you to Harry and to you if you've managed to get this far. Harry's all-time Luton 11 will be revealed this weekend, which was a learning experience for me as much as it might be for you. See you then. See you then.